can appreciate you're one of the OG guys from Texas. And, I mean, it's just like we're going to be talking about, obviously, the Heavy Metal Hall of Fame in a big way. I was kind of thinking a little bit about how, like, I did my interview with Rat Skates where it's just like when I talked with him, it was nothing about his his time in Overkill. It was about this documentary he was doing. And that's kind of like what I, I want to focus on. Also going to be mentioning your uh, appearance in the Texas Monthly. Talking about what, like, the Heavy Metal Hall of Fame is like. You appearing in that uh, MXD mag for the Lifetime Achievement Award, saying like, you know, how how the or like, what types of things in your past convinced them that you deserve a Lifetime Achievement Award? Um, obviously, also, you're the singer from Warlock, so maybe if there's interest, like maybe, like I mean, think about how like Gamicide put out that box set. If you have any sort of interest in putting together anything kind of like that. Talking about this club, the new club you're at or you're working on. The, we've I've been talking to Helmet from uh, Underground Power for over a year now. Yeah. About re- releasing the Warlock stuff. And, and hopefully we'll get to that. And and then uh, I I uh, had a bad experience with that guy from Skull Records. Mm. He was uh, real mean to me, and. Um, uh, I was discussing with him my ideas, and he just like basically were saying that you know I was stupid, and all this type of thing. So I do, you know, you know, I definitely want to see the old stuff released. You know, yeah, definitely. And I mean, it's funny too because you know, yeah, you could get into the the, the real things of how it happened here. You know, or, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of it's tough. You know, too. You know. Just I'll like, put on a positive face, you know, uh, um, too. I, I still love Venom uh, uh, like crazy, man. I, I, and, and I don't know, you probably don't call that, I don't know if you call that black metal or what, but it's black metal with me. But. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's just... I mean, those were, like, the guys that were, like, inventing it, along with, like, Fate. And I, mean, I, I, had, I had I had Welcome to Hell in 1981 when it was the only Venom album. That's awesome. Do and, you still have that album? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that's fucking awesome. I mean... The, the the old label back then was Neat Records. Are you familiar with Neat Records? Oh, yeah. And, like, I mean, it's just like, I, I know that that's, that's a real collector's item to have in your collection. All of them, all of them, all of mine are on there. Raven and, and, and Venom, for sure, you know? All of them are on Neat. Yeah, I mean, I was listening to it then, bro. I mean, I, I mean, we were, you know, all, all five or six of us here were very crazy about waiting for Black Metal to come out. You know, the album Black Metal, because we had Welcome to Hell, and and then Black Metal came out. You know, it was great, man. So much further advanced. I've talked to, I've talked to, uh, you know, uh, uh. Jeff, about that, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Mantis, how, how um, that gum, uh, uh, you know, metal went from ACDC Highway to Hell in 79 to Venom Welcome to Hell in 81, man, just that quick. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, it really it was, man. Are, are, you too, are you too young to remember those times? Well, I mean, like, I was born in 83, but I mean, it's just like, I mean, I have black metal like the CD reissue. I mean, some of the earlier stuff I have in my collection, 
I got the live at Hammersmith from Motorhead. Yeah, um, I don't. That came out right after Ace of Spades. That was the next album after Ace of Spades. Iron Fist, and then Iron Fist, and then that was it for Eddie. Like, um, most of the Belladonna years of Anthrax, including also Fistful of Metal with uh, Neil Turbin, um, Destruction, I've got a lot of Destruction. Probably my favorite thing from Destruction that I have just, like, that I'm tr- I treasure it the most, like when it comes to the German metal, like this live concert from I think 1985. It just has such a badass cut of Black Mass on there. It's just I, I don't know how to how to explain it, but it it just came off just so awesome. Yeah, yeah, I, I've got you know my memories, you know, with with the destruction too for sure, man. Uh, you know. He's talking about, you know, my credentials, I guess you'd call them, or yeah. whatever, you know, earlier, you know. Bro, I, I opened the first metal club here in, in the DFW metal place called Rascals, and then I opened the second metal club here in the Plex called the Tombstone Factory. Whoa. And, th- and then I began, then I booked the original metal at Joe's Garage and uh, took the metal scene to Joe's Garage uh, now I didn't own Joe's Garage. This uh, other cat owned it, man. But you were like the promoter, right? Well, I mean, he he didn't allow metal in the club at all, and, and uh, I had to go there and talk him into it, you know. And I, and, and uh, I also I also had uh, the first metal radio show here. Kon so or Kon? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. What was it called? I'm, I'm, the, I'm the original host of, of the uh, of the metal show where Raven Raven's in my time slot now, you know. Oh wow! Yeah, Raven's uh, from midnight to four on Saturday night. That's Damn. that's what I was. I was there from '86 uh, to '89. Damn. Yep. I mean, and then so I mean, I I I, I did all. I, I mean, basically, basically, bro, I really created the metal scene here. But I was telling you something else. God damn it, it was, it was something that had yeah. to do. What was we talking about before that though that got me down that trail? Fuck, I think we were talking about neat records. Well, um, no, I don't, I don't know the shit. Well, anyway, it'll man, come I, back to you soon enough. That, that, that's, that's how those stories go, man. But yeah, so I, I guess I got off down that one. That, that that ain't what I was trying to say. But I have, you know, I, I'm definitely friends with uh, Jeff, man, and and uh, and Tony too, man, uh, from Venom Inc. I guess you'd call it Inc. Yeah, you know. But like starting things off, though, like. Can you tell me like a bit about your history, like in the North Texas metal scene? Well, bro, I mean, you know that 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 uh, I know we were talking in that yeah. old stuff too. That one thing too, because you know yeah. I was born in 1960, and so I I was I was you know 19 and 79, 20 and 80, 21, 81, and and there was no metal scene here, bro. And I used to have to you know and and. and I was the one that bought all the records, and everybody came to my house and listened to them, you know. And, and you know, I mean, so I started it just a grassroots guy to being that guy. And a lot of a lot of uh, acquisitions were uh, initiated by Brian, man, Slagle. 
and I've known Slagle since then. And uh, he, he, when Slagle started out right about then, he he was he worked at a record store called Oz Records. And I used to call him up, man, and say, "Hey, bro, you know, what the hell is there new? You know that I should have, you know." And you know, I I, I got you know he'd tell me, you know. And down here, I'd have to go to the record store and order it and pay for it in advance because, uh, you know, they didn't keep it on the shelf or anything like that, man. I mean, you know, there wasn't no such thing as Venom or Motorhead or anything like that sitting on no shelf any damn way. You'd have, to, you'd have to go buy it from them, and then they'd call you when it come in. Hey, bro, your such-such such record came in, you know. Cool. I'll be on down there to get it, you know. <clears throat> That's how you had to do it back then, and then. And then, so, you know, I had a band, you know, man, uh, uh, first I had a band called Megaton, and and that was about 80 and 81, and uh, they kicked me out of Megaton, and uh, and they kicked me out of Megaton for Bill Lindsay, which is a funny story, too. Bill Lindsay's a singer for uh, Impaler, and from the Twin Cities, you know. Uh, you familiar with Impaler? No, no, like, I... Rise of the Mutants, uh, uh, uh the first album and uh but he was only down here for just a little bit man and uh because i think he was dating some chick that was down here or something and when they broke up he went home back to the twin cities and started in paler but in in that process uh he he, he you know uh stole my job as a singer for megaton so I got kicked out and, and, and uh, started I started Warlock in 1981 and then um you know, we needed places to play, man, because they wouldn't ever let any metal bands play there. And uh, I started doing this outdoor concert series in 82 called Heavy Meadows. You ever heard of that? No, like, I mean, it's just like a lot of the stuff. Like, I mean, I was honestly watching the uh, Welcome to Your Funeral movie before I called mm -hmm. you. Just to yeah. kind of like brush up on it. I mean, it's just like, I mean... A lot of the um, stuff I learned about the DFW scene is just kind of like the interviews I did with like Bruce, like Doyle I've interviewed a couple of times, and he tells me a lot of good stories. Learned a little bit from Casey, one interview with Mike Scotia that I'm really proud of, that I was able to get that Harden. But I mean, it's just... It's, well, those dudes were in Warlock too, you know, Casey and Harden. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, they was in the band from 81 to 83, and then we had this famous fight around here one time at, the, at this uh, motel over here in Arlington, and uh, uh, my brother, and Harden ended up stabbing my brother, and uh, my brother went over and threw his drums in the lake. I think they say that stuff in the movie. I, oh, I yeah. Yeah, 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 but that really happened. And then so then that, they split off the to start rigor mortis at that time and and uh we carried on with warlock you know we we got some more cats and uh get rolling you know but i, I was cool with them all, uh, most of the time up in them parts you know uh um uh, you know because i used to get them you know the, uh, the all the gigs they first had was open for warlock they'll tell you that the only local mm -hmm. band they've ever opened for is warlock and then, you know, so we sent, I, I did these cool outdoor concerts, bro, for two years, 82 to 83, called Heavy Meadows. I always was proud of that. And one of, one of my uh, flyers from that is on the Pantera Behind the Music. And, and so that was, 
that that's my only little tiny part I get to be on the Pantera behind the music. That's really cool. Like, can you tell me a bit about like um some of the more noteworthy historical parts of like the Heavy Meadows? Well, I mean, the biggest one we ever did was uh, with Pantera. And I lost the count, you know, somewhere around 11, 1,200 people, man. And, and, you know, back then when I was young and, and, you know, didn't give a damn about a band of law. And so, uh, uh, you know, we, we gave away free beer. Yeah. We, we, we put on the flyers free beer. <laughs> Imagine that yeah. today. And we went through about 18 kegs is what we went through out there that day. Wow. And, you know, it, it was really crazy, man. And it was out there in the country. And the people, bro, it was so packed out there. The people that was at home, they couldn't leave their house. And if they were not at home, they couldn't get home. So we, had, we had all the freaking streets shut down out there, man. And it, it is, uh, my friend who I, I grew up with, and I was the best man at his wedding and all that stuff. Well, he he done married a lady that had some land out there. So, you know, I was out there hanging out with him, you know, and I'm looking out there going, bro, that right there looks like an outdoor arena if you ask me. Look at it. And uh, so he was going to help me, but I ended up doing everything. I, I convinced to build a 550-square-foot stage on that mofo and everything, man. It looked like a home plate. And uh, it was crazy, man. But then, but then you know, uh, the police when they come that time, they they had, they the only way they could get there was riding up on horses, you know. So they had to come riding up on horses, man. They was mad, you know. <laughs> and, and so they they uh, uh, got onto the people that owned the land, and so they wouldn't do it anymore, you know. So I had to go find other place. So I ended up bouncing around by three different places uh, uh, there in '82 and '83. And I ended up just telling them all heavy meadows, it was like heavy meadows one, heavy meadows two. You see, and then wow. so then I, and then you know, uh, you know, I fucking finally evolved out of twenty four. I come around and had I had the opportunity to uh, get this place called Rascals here in Arlington, and uh, then so then there was the first metal club, and it, it was packed always, bro. From, I mean, people from the far side of Fort Worth, far side of Dallas would be there, man, because it was the only metal club in in, in the place. So. Yep, and but then you know, then I learned more about the club business, and I and I, I seen that there were some fallacies there at that particular locale, and uh, I moved on over to the Tombstone Factory, and uh, and the Tombstone Factory is is legendary around here too. You know, it's like fucking, it was an insane place. It, it never was a, a legal club. And yeah, that's what I was talking about, man, a minute ago. Damn it, you fucking said destruction. Hell yeah, it came to me, Nick. God damn it. <laughs> Sorry. It, 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 destruction was supposed to play at the Tombstone Factory. It was the Chromags and Destruction. And they that was came. 88, right? Huh? 88, right? 89. Okay. Uh-huh. Keep going, though. July, July of 89. And, uh, they pulled up, man, and see, I lived at the house next to it because see, it was a, it was a residential place. It was like I said, it was never a legal club, man. Mm-hmm. It was actually an old tombstone factory, though, and and uh, so like you'd rent the house from the guy, and you know he'd tell you, well, you know this building over here, you can use it for storage or whatever you want to, you know. 
And you know, of course, I was, you know, already know what I was going to use for. We used to crank it up. And so we did, you know, and, and uh, uh, yeah, and, and destruction come, bro, and they wouldn't play there. And, and I still, I, I messed with the old boy about that, man, a year or two ago, you know, uh, uh, Smith. Oh, Smitty. And, uh, yeah, and he still remembers it. You ever talk to him, ask him sometimes, hey, man, you know, this place Plex down there, man, called Two Stone Factory and refused to play it. And you say, yeah, yeah, I did. <laughs> Would the Chromax play it, though? The Chromax played, yes. And it turned out that was the last show there, man. You know, I mean, we, you know, we, it, it, it was over by then, man. And that, that was 89. And it ended up being the last show. But they didn't play. But they hung out in the house with me for a while. And I remember them telling me that the knack they were really high on them knack records man they were digging through my records you know wow I remember I'm sitting there going oh dude this knack record right here bro it's a badass record but yeah that's why I was thinking about a while ago because yeah I had the Tombstone Factory so I kind of went right there from like you know having Megaton my band and Warlock and then and then you know need a place to play and then we had Heavy Meadows 82, 83, and then we got Rascals, 85, 86, Two Stone Factory, 86, 89, you know, and there we was, you know, Joe's Garage after that, so there we was. By then, we had a, a true metal scene, you know, but once upon a time, there was no metal scene. There was just a few of us hoodlums, man, uh, you know, cruising, cruising around here, uh, you know, cruising the metal, you know. Let's move on to the Heavy Metal Hall of Fame. Like, for people like that haven't been there, like what's it like going in there? Your very first time being in there. Okay, now see, no, we don't have it open yet. That 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 that, 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 that is, I, I'm sorry that you got that impression, but no, it's not open yet. No. But I like it. I I I I I, I like hearing that question, man, because that's like a, a forward, foretold future question, man, that, that somebody would ask me that. Nobody would ask me right now, which is really cool. Yeah, I, I, I hope I hope to have the damn thing open, man, by the first year. I'm just trying to wait to get past these holidays, man, and, and, and uh, try mm-hmm. to get on in there. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I, I expect February, March, or April. One of them for sure. Not no way later in the year, nothing, nothing like that. I mean, I'm I'm ready to go now, man. I just I'm gonna end up having to rent a building. And, and and end up being also a club too, and 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 then I need to and I'm trying to get all my you know five hundred one c three stuff squared away, and so I can go ahead and I'll end up having to section that off and it be a nonprofit organization, be different from the club you know at that time. But in the beginning, man, I'm just ready to get it open, man. I'm tired of talking about it and all that stuff. And so I'm ready to just open it, and so that that's the way I'll be able to fund it is just to be, be a, a part of a club at, in the beginning. Now, you recently um, got an appearance in um, the Texas Monthly magazine. Like, tell me what what is like that magazine? What does it mean to be in there? It's very honorable. It's a it's not a music mag. You know, it's it's not a music magazine. It's a, a mu- it's an 
they have one music issue per year. So somehow the other they come to the conclusion that, that, that what I was doing here was a uh, you know uh, worthy of mentioning their one little annual uh, music edition, which again you know is cool because I don't know if you looked at it or not, but it had like the you know one little part on Fort Worth, one little part on Dallas. Yeah, you know, I saw El, it. Like I saw El Paso. your part. And, and there was then, like you know, all sorts of stuff on the different cities from it's like hip hop and rock and all mm-hmm. that other stuff. And then I I got I got to be the uh, the the what do you call it the token token metal article. Yeah. <laughs> we we can't cut these guys completely out, man. Uh, so which one of these idiots are we gonna write about this year? No, man. I don't really know how, what their thinking process was. I, I I was proud of it though, you know, yeah. because. That's what the guy told me. He said, he said, and we kept asking people about metal and asking people about metal. And he said, it always came back to you. So here I am, you know? So I, I never approached some people or anything like that, bro. I, I, I never, I never, you know, inquired about, you know, appearing in your magazine. But the, the, the press is, the press is really cool to me up here, man. I, 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 I am lucky, man. I, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and it just always snowballs. Uh, after that article right there, uh, Channel 13, K-E-R-A, uh, has uh, contacted me, and, and they're going to do a piece real soon. And I've, I've been on the news up here uh, a couple of times. It's pretty cool, man. Uh, they're, they're, they're very nice to me. I, I'm... I'm, I'm feel you know very fortunate yo like when you actually got your um hall of fame open like when you're actually gonna bring in bands you're gonna like make like uh soundboard recordings and stuff of those concerts right i i can't say on that right there you know i don't even know how i don't hell you know finding the right sound man you know for other yeah. being you yourself is just it is it, it's, uh, it's tough man There's a lot to do with it you know i mean you can have problems with them people man so many different ways from i don't you know know for sure you know i mean i i I mean, I was just I mean, thinking that'd that, be a that, cool that, thing that, to think that about. Would seem, that, that would sound, of course, that would be, sound like a, a, a an eventual step. Would these people allow that type of thing? And I, you know, the club still, to me, I wouldn't see us getting. You know, I mean, I, I don't think that we would still be able to get bands like Slayer to play. You know, there, but I, I could be wrong. You know, they may end up wanting to play there. So, I mean, you know, there's just some of those things you can't know whether or not you know what what the heck how people are going to react till it, it, it either make it happen or you don't those are part of the unknown so you know i mean you, you just don't know that i don't think till you get there type the type of situation you i'm hopeful to promote the place in, in large part in in the beginning by um, having the bands come in and do like they did the old record store appearances and that right there, just getting bands to do that is tough nowadays too, because that's a part of their money nowadays. Yeah. Part of their, you know, I mean, they had those meet and greets and all that, you know, where people had to pay this extra money and stuff. So, you know, why they would have to, you know, think respectfully of you to 
to come sit behind that table and sign records, you know, without getting their meet and greet fees or so. See, you know, I mean, it's just you know, all, all those all those little things like that, you know, are, are, are hard to predict exactly how they'll go, and 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 maybe we may be in the market to where we have to pay for it, those types of things. I. You know, in, in, in a perfect world, you'd hope to think, well, man, you know, most of these bands really love it, will really love the idea of a heavy metal Hall of Fame and uh, want to lend their support you know, as best they can, as long as they look at you and perceive you as legitimate. Most of your concern is, you know, about metal music, but it, it, so, you know, but then, hell, you never know, man. You know, you might end up paying for those types of things. I don't even, I don't know how that goes. I mean, and, and then I, I think things are ever evolving too. So where it may be this way, this time, five or 10 years from now, <laughs> bands may be in contracts where they can't even do in stores without uh, uh, being paid. But I, that, that, I am hopeful though, Nick, really man, that, that these bands will want to come in and do those in stores. That, that way I won't have to be the guy that promotes the, show just to get them to participate in the hall regardless of the venue they were playing regardless of uh, a promotion company who was handling the local event hopefully they'll still f feel free to come to the heavy metal hall of fame hang out for an hour or two my next club after i quit booking at joe's was called a uh, hotel hill here and i had it in 91 and 92 then i was getting crazier you know and i ended up getting busted there Rigor Mortis did the grand opening there, and, and and the only and the only one that you would know was would have been Casey, because uh, by by the end at the very end uh, Pete Lee was playing guitar and Mike mm -hmm. Dunn was playing drums. Did you ever know that? Yeah, I think Casey might have told me that in his interview with me. Casey gives fucking long ass interviews, um, and then I saw that on like the um, fucking the metal archives. And uh, I was thinking, like, I, I've never seen any of those people. Like, how long did that lineup last with just Casey? Not that long, man. I, I, asked, I asked him one time a few years ago. I said, dude, was that the last Rick and Morris gig? He said, no, there's a couple more after that. But, but that was close to the end. Mm. But those two guys, you know, were both sedition. Right? You familiar with them, right? Yeah, I mean, I think... Um, I've listened to those songs before. Um, weren't they on the Dude You Rock compilation? Well, maybe. I, I, I can't remember that for sure. But they were... It was Pete Lee played for a band called Sedition. This dude named Turner sang for him. And uh, his, his brother played drums, Phil Lee, but then they, they kicked him out and they got this other guy named Mike Dunn. And so Mike Dunn... It was really known for the Sedition Times because, see, before Sedition, they were called Talent, T-A-L-O-N, Talent, and then they became Sedition. So, yes, yeah, sed you know, Sedition. Um, and then, then, you know, uh, shoot, Casey was just trying to make some money, man, at the time. When he got that deal with Triple X, man, Mike was already gone, and uh, he had to talk Mike into coming back and playing on them songs, man, because, you know, they weren't going to let him record without Mike. They weren't going to give him that deal. That's really how it went, you know. <sighs> he had to call Mike up and go, man, come here and play on this damn thing, man. <laughs> These people ain't going to release this record if you ain't on it. And that's how it went. You know, that's how all that stuff 
got out, got out of here. You know, I mean, you know, rigor mortis did one tour, one tour, and they didn't they didn't even make it to the end. They were opening for Death Angel, and when the tour got to Chicago, man, you know, uh, you know, obviously lucky for all of them. Al Jorgensen came out there to see him, you know. Yeah, I know. Um, Al Jorgensen, I guess, spirited Mike away. Yeah, he asked him if he was if he was just jamming. Yeah, I could shoot. I I I, I tell you the whole story. I was right. I remember it well. He 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 told him, you know, no at first, you know, because he thought Rigger was going to do something. Yeah. And then he quickly contacted him and said, hey, man, <laughs> the guy that you said I could jam with you, man, let's do it. And, 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 you know, his first record was Psalm 69, so, I mean, that's pretty damn good, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, Psalms, like, I mean, I was like a rivet head, like industrial fan before I was like a metal fan. Yeah. And it was just like, because of that album I discovered, I was like, I checked it out, and I'm thinking like, Holy shit! This is this is amazing stuff, and I had to check out more, of like right the rigor mortis stuff. And then you had to fucking fight on eBay for God knows how long to track down that original Capitol Records CD. You did? Oh yeah, I actually proud to say I got that autographed with everybody in rigor. I think I only had to pay like thirty or forty bucks, and I remember like sometimes it'd go for like over a hundred dollars. It would. It, you know, there's a version of uh, Bruce singing uh, the second record too. I don't know if you, they ever told you about it or made it, made it available to you or anything. But since you're a collector, I've heard about that. Like I actually, I remember interviewing Bruce last year, and I, I'm waiting on uh, I'm like kind of like waiting on some friends of mine to release the uh, release that interview into a magazine of theirs. I mean, it's just like I'd love to hear that Freaks demo. Yeah. I mean, it's just that that'd be so cool to hear. It was good. Yeah, it was good. But for whatever reason, when they gave it to Capital, they they said no. You know, and I think that's what finally you know made them go ahead and kick Bruce out and get Dole. Yeah, I seen all of it happen, man, firsthand here, man. You know, uh, Z Rock hated Rigor Mortis so much that they t- blocked about. It three labels from coming here and and uh, one of them was Metal Blade and end up by them doing that that ended up helping Rick and Mortis because the Capitol people came anyway and so they at least had one record on Capitol but Metal Metal Blade was supposed to come too and do you ever remember Z-Rock? I, I've heard of that I believe um, Bruce didn't mention it I, I'm friends with this Chicago DJ uh named Neil Winnell and he's like an old school Chicago person and he he spoke yeah. about like how the radio used to be like years ago yeah Z-Rock was a very it was a precursor to you know this XM and this satellite stuff because it was the satellite broadcast network it sure was man and I worked there and uh I, I still got some of the chick stubs it's called Satellite Music Network. I had a funny story too, man, about that man. Cause see, I was I was hosting the uh, the metal show on Channel N, and and uh, the dude from Z Rock was calling me, bro. Yeah. And was trying to get me to come up there to fucking work for him at Z Rock. 
me being a, a dummy, I didn't, I had never heard of Z Rock, and he and he's telling them guys that are answering the phone, you know, uh, uh, hey man, this is a satellite heavy metal station that goes all over the country, you know. Man, we were hanging up on the dude, telling him "fuck you," man, you know, and hanging up. It, 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 we, we we thought he was bullshitting, bro. Yeah. And so finally, it took him about four or five times. He's calling. He's going, "Look, man, I'm not bullshitting you guys, man. We got a radio station over here, man. Yeah. You need to come check it out." I'm like, "Oh yeah, what's up?" And I went over there on Monday, man. It, you know, obviously it was a real deal. And you know, obviously I was very apologetic to the man. I was like, "Damn, man, you know." People call you and tell you anything, man. And so, but that's how it was. I, 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 I done told the dude, fuck you, and hung up on the dude about four or five times, bro, before I got the job at Z-Rock. Wow. <laughs> Is that how you do it or what? <laughs> that's one way of doing it. <laughs> you know, you just, young like that, you think you're a know-it-all. And, and, you know, I just couldn't imagine there being a, nationwide heavy metal radio station that I'd never heard of. Obviously, there was. Because it was, it, it, it was, it, the, the, the parent company, Satellite Music Network, was here. Um, now, it wasn't was, on the air here at first. Was Sirius XM started by like, I know that it was originally two companies, was like the, was the beginnings of that started from Xerox? Not that I know of. Now, when I say precursor, I just meant you know that they were the ones doing it before them. You know, no. I see. Okay. To have to, to have any actual you know uh, connection, I don't I don't think so. And I and I remember most of those DJs too that were there, and, and I I didn't you know I. Obviously, I started off rocky with that deal, and, and I never did. Uh, I did. I never did uh, do well there at Z Rock. I did well at Can of Win, and the guy and, and the damn guy, man, kept trying. The one thing he's trying to get me to use another name, you know, and I didn't like that, you know. He was wanting to call me Jake the Warden. He, yeah. He he brought me in the office to tell me that one time. Hey man, look, look I don't want you to just answer me real quick and, and flying off the handle. <laughs> but he goes, I, I've been thinking of a good radio name for you, man. I want you to you know, give it an honest listen. You know, and he goes, he goes, what do you think about Jake the Warden? I was going, dude, Jake. I said that sounds fake, and that's what I was doing. He's like, man, I told you to at least be open minded, man. What was your radio name actually, though? Jerry Warden. Okay. Know, I did. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't want. I didn't want a radio name. Okay. But they were. They were all. Uh, you know. You know. On on community radio, you don't have to worry about that. But this was a commercial radio, and they wanted. You know. They wanted to give me a name and uh, stuff like that. You know. Yeah. You know. You, you, you know. Some of the things you do in, in, in life work out. You know. Some of them don't. I don't. It, I get along with them folks now. I don't have any, you know, hard feelings toward them. I just, I just didn't work out as he rock. One thing was, is he wanted me to quit my job at Cano Inn, and my job at Cano Inn was from midnight to four on Saturday night. So yeah. this dude wanted to be uh, hard on me. Got me doing the Sunday morning show, man, from seven to noon. Ooh, that's ugly. Yeah, man. And so he's like, yeah, if you wouldn't work in that 
the little community station, you know, you be fresh for your show. Because it was both in Dallas and I'm in Arlington. So I had I, I couldn't even come home after the Candlewind show. I just had to drive over to the studio there at Z-Rock and crash out on the floor, man, for about an hour. And I'd tell the guy, hey, man, you know, wake me up about 15 minutes till, man. And I'd crash on the floor and, and, and there and then wake up and try to do that Sunday morning show. And he had me doing like a musician's workshop on there. Yeah, and all this. yeah man. <clears throat> Which is cool, you know, if, if, if you've had any semblance of sleep, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I was just want to, you know, spin the tunes, you know. I, I, you know, so he, he, I think he was doing that. He tried to do that to get me to quit the Canowind job. And of course, you know. They fired me. I was only there about four or five months, and so they fired me there, and and um, I, I carried on can of win. Then they still had to deal with me because you know there there would be all these Z Rock presents shows, you know, but but uh, you can't really just you couldn't just be mean to the community station, you know, because they're a little bitty, you know, and so it's compared to a big commercial entity. So they was they still had to be uh, can of win. I mean, Z-Rock and KNON presents, you know, even after all the fun. Yeah, I, I can tell you all, all, all the wild stories. Uh, uh. You have anything else you'd like to say just on, like, what you've been doing just, like, with the museum or anything with press articles coming out on you in the future or future interviews for people to look out for? No, you know, I mean, like I, I, like I said, I, I think uh, KERA is going to do something. That's the uh, PBS station here locally. But, man, you know, it's just time to get the doors open, man. Mm-hmm. It, it's time to quit bullshitting around. Uh, all the press, man, that'll take care of itself. Everything will take care of itself, man. There'll be, there'll be plenty of press, you know that. We need to get the doors open, man. We need to add the sign on the doors, add the sign on the building out there that says Heavy Metal Hall of Fame. And, and you know, we, we need to move forward, man. And all the rest of that stuff, you know, take care of itself. It's time to do it, man. Time to get it done. Final words, bro. Shoot. Final words. Uh, thank you so much for your patience with me, man. You're a good brother. I appreciate it so much, man. You know, um, I, I uh, don't know how in the hell, what in the hell took me so long or how, what, what's wrong with me. To get, I couldn't get on the same page, but man, I, I appreciate you and you, you've been a, a, a very cool person, man. Thank you so much. <laughs>